Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Really excited for episode number 39 here. This uh, we're, we're, We are recording this on a Saturday morning. I uh, got Coach Motes up early, set the alarm and everything. Did you have to set alarm this morning, Coach? Yeah, because I got home late last night from uh, looking at a house in Hickman. So I was, we didn't get home till almost midnight. My kids were both dead asleep in the car. My wife even <laughs> fell asleep. So I was able to get up, though. I was up before 8 o'clock, so life's good. Yeah, there you go. Awesome. So I had to set my alarm as well here. So, uh, uh, But Saturday's my sleep-in day. You know, you know, real crazy middle-aged sleep-in stuff, like sleep until 8.30 type of thing, you know. There, there, there's no... <laughs> Yeah, there's no such thing as sleeping anymore with two little ones in my house. I mean, as soon as you hear them, you're up. Uh-huh. So your, your day started. <laughs> <laughs> well, well uh, Coach Motes and I are wiping the uh, wiping the sleep out of our eyes here. Uh, we want to recognize our sponsor for our podcast, COSAC Chiropractic, located at 14450 Eagle Run Drive, which is just off of 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Coaches, if you have an athlete who is struggling with balance, neck, or spinal issues, have them go see COSAC Chiropractic. You can check out their practice at COSACchiro.com. That's K-O-S-A-K-C-H-I-R-O.com. Or give them a call at 402-964-0300. Be sure that a pen and a napkin, let them know that a pen and a napkin sent you. Uh, follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. Uh, got a bunch of new follows the last 24 hours or so when it was announced that Coach Motes was coming on the pod. So that's great. We try to have daily coaching tidbits on a pen and a napkin. So please, uh, please be sure to follow us there. Obviously, if you're listening, you're on SoundCloud or iTunes. So download, rate, review, give us five stars. Uh, push this out to to other coaches here, like-minded people. Uh, the whole purpose of a pen and a napkin is to help coaches educate themselves and hone their craft. And of course, uh, last but not least, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, ideas, email us at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. So the new head boys basketball coach at Norris High School, freshly minted about was it a week, 10 days ago? Uh, it's been over about two weeks now. Two weeks. A little over two weeks. Okay. So excited. It's been, you know, it just, it was the situation itself. I mean, there was, you know, no intention of necessarily packing up and moving. But when the opportunity came about, it was one that my wife and I talked about uh, right away. And we're both from that part of the state. Mm-hmm. You know, I started my career down there. And we felt like if this was an opportunity, we were going to jump at it. That we were all in and, and, and it worked out. So we're, we're two weeks into this. We, let's put it this way. My end of the school year, I envisioned a month ago, is much different now in comparison <laughs> to what I thought it was going to be. Because I thought I could check out for the summer, get you know, just be ready to go. But now I'm, we just sold our house. We're looking for a house. Uh, we're doing Zoom meetings online with uh, the coaches down there. I met with Mr. Signer AD yesterday online uh, to figure out our summer plan, mm-hmm. which I think we got in place. So a lot has changed in two weeks, but uh, definitely an exciting opportunity for us. And uh, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to take over that program. Yeah. You see, here you thought that, you know, you know, worst case scenario to keep yourself busy, you'd be out on a riding lawnmower with Lakari uh, around the mean no, streets no. of Columbus. Le- and uh, Lakari Le- Le- doesn't ride anything. He's a push guy. I mean, oh. he, he gets his steps in. I mean, that, <laughs> Dave Lakari. I mean, if you're, if you're a girls basketball, he's he's like one of the best. I mean, he's just a great guy. Oh yeah, I had a great relationship with him. Our rooms were across the hall from one another, and really got along with them. And uh, you know, he's a guy that 
I think he does a great job with his kids. He puts them in positions to be successful, and you, know, you pick up a thing or two from from guys. I mean, I, to me, I think he's he's real detailed and always puts his kids in the position to win games. And he's been a guy I think that's been I think he's had one of the longest ten years uh, in terms of girls basketball potentially in the state. Yeah, you know, at one nest. So uh, and I think he's going to continue. I mean, the guy the guy is always active. He's just mm-hmm. constant. That's all he does. He's just he's active. He can't sit still. So this COVID stuff, I know, really eat at him right away. <laughs> when he had to be confined to his home. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I, I bet he might just go just go Forrest Gump at some point, and uh, you know, I, one day I just started running, you know, type of. Yeah, thing. He, may, he, he may take off. You may not see him for two weeks. <laughs> he comes back with a with like a I love Shadron T shirt on or something like that. Probably. <laughs> yeah, he's all Shadron Stadium. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. There you go. Well, uh, Jimmy, thanks so much for coming on here. I know uh, this is a little chaotic uh, time in your life, and uh, you know everything's been really busy for you. Uh, but uh, just want to go through some stuff here today. You know, uh, you've got an interesting background, um, and we'll kind of get into uh, you know your your movement as a coach here in a in a bit. But uh, you know. What what brought you into coaching? You know what? Uh, just kind of tell us a little bit about your journey. Well, you know, this even goes back when I was in high school, and, and I think it was the you know it wasn't so much I just wanted to coach, but I think it was the impact that those people had uh, on me in terms of my my progression going on to the next level. Let's say, and it wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily just the basketball piece; just you know the way that they got after you, they challenged you. You know, the, the time and the effort, those things they put in to try to put me in a position to be successful and try to be, you know, the best I could be. And I, I look back, and, I, and I'm grateful that Chip Law came into my life uh, as a sophomore at Northeast because uh, he was a guy that came in and inherited a program that had won four straight state titles uh, there in the 90s. And everybody thought we were going to kind of go through this rebuilding phase, which which rightfully so because – that 98 team had a had a, just a solid senior group, but he was able to keep it going, and uh, we got back to state tournament that year. In fact, played the highest scoring game in the history of the state tournament. The problem was I was on the wrong side of it. <laughs> um, you know, he scored 89 points. Most nights you think you're going to win. We, we got beaten double overtime at Bell West. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was a guy though that that came at the right time because I was a baseball guy growing up. I mean, my my goal when I got to high school was I wanted to go on and play Division One baseball. Mm-hmm. And there were some opportunities even early on. I, mean, I was on the varsity team as a freshman and started getting some interest from some schools. But then as a sophomore, then I went from playing on the freshman basketball team as a freshman to then starting on the varsity as a sophomore. And it opened up some doors. I mean, toward the end of the year, I had a really good run. I had a good state tournament. And I ended up making the, the Valentino's team that summer, mm-hmm. uh, the big team. And uh, that changed things for me. But Chip was real influential in that, too, because uh, we had some conversations in terms of, you know, is it going to do Legion Baseball or are you going to do this? And, then, you know, he just said, you just got to make the decision that's best for yourself. And I respect that, too, to this day, because um, it was really one of the first adult decisions I had to make in terms of what I was going to do. Yeah. So, so I, and Chip's been real good to me, too. You know, even after high school, following my college career, he was there on my senior night. Uh, at Creighton, and then once I got into coaching, um, uh, you know, I mean, obviously you get busy schedules, but I mean, if you ever had a question, or I mean, just because, or if you just wanted to call on the phone and have a conversation about something, and I still remember the first straight, the state tournament game I coached at Sterling, Chip was in the crowd, 
at Lincoln Southwest. So, I mean, that, those are the, that to me right there, I mean, it's not so much the wins and losses piece. It's just that relationship piece you build with your coach. Um, over that time, we've been close now for well over 20 years. And I look at a guy like Dan Noble. He's the head coach at Lincoln High now, um, who's been there, I think, as head coach roughly about 10 years, maybe, somewhere in that ballpark. He was a guy that was my freshman basketball coach at Northeast. Mm-hmm. And that was probably the best thing that happened to me, honestly, because I got to play a lot. Uh, but not only that, he was a guy that just challenged me. I mean, that we played countless one-on-one games in that Ed Johnson gym. Mm-hmm. by ourselves you know or get shots up with him or just you know shooting games or just he always tried to challenge him yeah you know and he, he, he poked the bear and it's like okay <laughs> let's, let's play you know and he'll probably tell you this day that he, he's got you know some you know he beat me straight up whatnot which he did a couple times uh but you know to this day it's kind of like with chip i mean even the other day i just talked to him on the phone um about how things are going um but even, you know, throughout college, he'd come, you know, watch games. Or, you know, as, as I got into coaching and teaching, I mean, we, we, we talk a lot during the season. I mean, he's the one guy that I'm pretty close to uh, in, in the coaching profession because we, we talk about every week, usually on Sunday, check in, hey, how'd the weekend go? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how'd your teams do? You know, if we had to vent to one another, we could. Uh, so, <laughs> you, 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 those two people to me in high school were huge in terms of, me being one to be a high school basketball coach and you know my mother she was a coach she taught 40 years in Lincoln public schools uh, she coached volleyball with sandy genrick at northeast um, she was a freshman coach at nickel then she coached at northeast for a while uh, in that run but she coached basketball she was tracked she had she coached gymnastics back in the day oh so, wow i mean that that tells you how how long she's been around and she's retired now but you know the impact she had on her athletes and how she she was able to get after them and challenge them and push them and so I, i've got some bloodlines there my uncle uh, was a high school basketball coach uh, he, he coached at humboldt and he was at scott's bluff in the 70s and then he went out to colorado and finished his career out there um so i, mean, I and then obviously i mean you get to college and i was lucky enough i got to play for uh, a Hall of Fame coach. I mean, he's going to be a Hall of Fame coach. It's all said and done. And, and what he's done out there at Oregon, and even what he did at Creighton, uh, it's just simply remarkable. I think he's won 20 straight games at Oregon in his 10 years there already. Yeah. Uh, each year. So, and, you know, Coach Allman, I was lucky. I got, it was a, it's always like being at a free coaching clinic every day. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I got to that point. It's like, okay, this is maybe something I want to do as a career. Um, you know, he's a guy that he's pretty stern. Uh, but you know they, they call him the Mad Bohemian. He's from Wilbur, yeah. Uh, so he's got that you know so check background. But love, I mean, the thing is, I, mean, I couldn't figure out for the longest time, like you know, why he was getting after me, you know, and, and whatnot. But I think there was a trust factor there. You know, if situations came up, he could trust you to put put you in those situations. Uh, but I think he always maximized um, his his team's potential. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were years there at CU where maybe we shouldn't have won 23 games or 24 games. Yeah. But he always put guys in positions to make plays and be successful. And it's such a great mind. Yeah. Uh, and he's pretty old school, too. He's kind of, he's kind of he, to me, my always, my dad always said he had a little Northeast Lincoln in him. He's kind of a blue-collar <laughs> guy that grew up with just a great basketball mind. And I was lucky to be able to, to be a part of that and, and be around that for five years. And I think the telling tale to me is my dad passed away back in, August 2018, he was coming back for his Hall of Fame induction that weekend, and uh, he actually kind of changed his schedule 
uh, to show up to my dad's funeral. So, I mean, to me, that's the ultimate sign of respect in terms of what he thought for our family. And, and that just says a lot about his character and who he is. And I'm just, like I said, he, those, he's probably been one of the more influential people that I've been around. And like when my two kids were born, his, his wife, Reva sent them blankets in the mail, Mm -hmm. uh, as gifts. So, I mean, those are the things to me that, you know, that stick out and those people have had a big impact and, and not just coach all my cream, but the entire staff there too as well. But I can go on like Jerome or like baseball coach I had, uh, in terms of practice organization, one of the best people I've ever been around, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of being able to organize and practice in two hours. So you pick up on things, you learn things, but you know, even like at, at the different stops I've been at, um, you, you learn from those other people too. Like Arlo West was a football coach at Sterling when I was down there. Uh, John Cockrell, who was the girls' basketball coach at Sterling, that when I was down there, that's now at Waverly. Uh, those guys, when I mean, were were huge for me early in my career because I could pick their brain, ask questions uh, as a young head coach, and, and Harold Richardson, who I coached junior high sports with. So I mean, along the way, you, you just you learn things and you, you get influenced by different people, and you know, even like when I started coming into this thing, I mean. Uh, being able to have conversations with Jim Weeks eventually and having conversations with, you know, Doug Woodard. I worked for Josh Luke at Great Prep. I mean, just having those guys around and, and having that, is, I think, to me, is big. Just having those relationships in the coaching profession. So, I mean, influence has come from a lot of different ways in terms of why I wanted to coach. And I, I kind of, you know, I went a lot of different ways here. But, I mean, it, it's a key component because that's where I'm at today because of those people. Yeah. You're you're – your Creighton experience, you know, and you, you kind of touched on it some with Dana, you know, but, but what, you know, it's easy for people to, to say, well, you played at Creighton, you played for Dana, and around here Dana's a legend, but nationally he wasn't as well known, and they went out to Oregon, and they made the great run a few years ago to get to the Final Four and all that other stuff, you know. So, uh, you know, kind of the, the assumption for some people would be, well, you know, you're just going to do all the things that you did at Creighton, which is literally impossible because you don't have as much time and the, the, the players aren't as skilled. But, you know, you talked about the influence of Dana and I'm sure like Coach McKenna's in there and, and, and people like that. You know, what about their style have you brought to your coaching philosophy um, to help you be successful? Well, Coach Alm can be intense. Um, I think he's actually gotten probably a little bit more laid back now, maybe because he's older. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he just had a way, I mean, practices. I mean, he was so detailed, I mean, with his practice schedule and his practice plan and, and how we used our time. And uh, he always loved the first week of practice because we're always on fall break and the NCAA rules didn't apply when school wasn't in session. <laughs> so my freshman year, we had a Sunday practice. We're only practicing once on Sunday. It was the second day. It was a five-hour marathon. Oh, my. And, you know, you're going, man, this guy is crazy. <laughs> but, you know, but you're so new to it, you just don't know what to expect. But then once you go through it for a year, now you kind of got an idea of how things work. And you're ready for those things. Mm-hmm. And I think for any freshman coming into college basketball, there is such a learning curve mm-hmm. uh, when you go to that next level. And for me, I mean, I learned a lot right away. And, you know, just how the way to do things. And I think the ultimate guy to learn from, like, you, you know, it, you talk about coaching styles, but even like learning from guys in the program was Kyle Corver. I mean, I, was, I mean, that guy was one of the hardest working guys I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there's a reason why that dude's still playing the NBA. And he's going to probably play another year or two. Yeah. But it was the, 
because Coach was saying, you know, he's he talked about Ryan Sears and Ben Walker, Kyle Corbin, those guys, but there was a reason why. I mean, yeah. those guys just set the tone. And he was always about set the tone. Mm-hmm. You know, he always said, it's your team. It's your team. It's not my team. He says, it's your team. How good do you want to be? And I think from that perspective, I even use that with our kids today. I said, you're going to take us how far we go with this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just along for the ride because I can't go out and get a jump shot. I can't go out and get a rebound anymore. I can't make a free throw. I can't take a charge. I can't do it for them. Mm-hmm. But it's preparing those guys. It's put them in a position where when you get in those situations that you're able to um, execute those things. And so I think that's the, you know, when you talk about coaching styles, I mean, coach, and coach is real big. If, if we're going to do something, there's purpose behind it mm-hmm. in practice. And, and I think that's where even like the assistants in the program at the time, um, I look back. Uh, I came back and come back to my senior year. But he was at UNO as head coach because he had left right before my freshman year. Uh, Brian Fish, who came uh, my junior senior year, he ended up being the head coach at Montana State for four or five years. Uh, D Rock, D Rock's out of Drake now. Yep. D Rock's D Rock's going to make the climb soon because he's going to get that thing going because they're going to make an NCAA tournament at Drake. Because I mean, it, it's almost he should have been he should have got that job years before yeah you know then they, then they finally made the right move and finally he got the job and they've won i think 20 games plus in his first two years there mm-hmm. and i mean d-rock was you just knew uh, as a when he was because i was there and he was about his first five years as an assistant like as a, as a paid assistant and you just knew eventually that he was going to become a, a, a division one head coach because mm-hmm. i mean he was so good and, and by far in terms of individual work and those things he was real good in terms of being creative and, you know, and using the time wisely that the 45 minutes wherever you had. So, yeah. I mean, he was there and I was there. Lynn Gordy, who had, you know, coaching experience. I mean, he coached, he was an assistant down at Clemson mm-hmm. and some other places. Um, got great Grenzing was another one uh, at CU. Uh, you know, yeah. great basketball mind. Uh, he, you know, made some different stops. Great pedigree. I mean, he, he was able to recruit guys on the radar that could go on and play in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you get a lot of different impacts. Mike Bargain, who was a GA there, he's a Lincoln guy. Uh, that's an assistant at Bradley now. So I was lucky, like, to have those guys. And they all brought different, you know, elements. Mm-hmm. I think that was a nice thing. There wasn't the same. Yeah. And I think, and I think with with your coaching staffs, you, you you can't have a bunch of yes men. I mean, there, there there's a point in time where yeah, if you're a little bit argumentative and you bite each other a little bit, that's okay. Uh, because if you've got people telling you all the time you're doing the right thing, I, to me, something's wrong. Because you you get different perspectives. I think the one thing about that staff is they worked well together. That's why I thought we were really good for the five years I was there, uh-huh. is they were able to work together. You know, Maybe they didn't disagree on some things, uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, there's a reason why you have what's called a head coach. they got to make decisions for what's best. Yeah. Um, so you, you talk about the different learning styles and some of those things. I mean, everybody's different. Yeah. You know, oh yeah. It's no different. It's no different than being in the classroom. Every teacher is different, um, you know, in terms of how they deliver their, you know, their message or material. Yeah. But you know, you go to a, a college practice. You know, and another one I, that I've really enjoyed being around that I've got to know pretty well is is Greg Dermott. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last ten years he's been there, and he's been real good at accommodating for for letting guys come in and hang out, watch practice, come to games. Um, and, you know, his staff's been real good, too, to, you know, if you want to reach out to them. I love Jeff Vanderloo, yeah. um, who's the director of the ops of the program. Just a great guy. So I've known uh, Jeff for a long time. Yeah. yeah, Jeff's just a great guy. Good, great high school coach in Iowa. Yep. Um, you know, and he's been a part of that program now for a while. But I mean, just, you know, and 
having those guys around, you know, like my son now, he's getting old enough where he's starting to figure out because he's all about the Blue Jays. Right? We raised him right. We've done something right where he likes the Blue Jays and maybe he's been brainwashed. I don't know. Uh, I, I think that so, might be a little bit of the case there. You know, my 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 uh, my kids are not big baseball fans, but they do root for the Cubs. And and uh, that's okay. Yeah, that's 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 good in my world. That's that's one that's one dad win for me at least. Yeah. So so like well, you talk about different styles. I mean, everybody's got their own delivery and how they approach things and what they do. But you always try to you know you file your memory bank and. You know, like I said, I was lucky to, to play for a guy that, to me, I think is going to be in the in the basketball hall of fame potentially or at some point. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, and I feel bad because I think this last year, I think he had a chance to make a serious run and get back to the Final Four. Mm-hmm. And what you know, he made that run in, uh, back. I think it was 2017, something like that. Yeah, it was 17 or 18. Was it 17? I think it was 17. Okay, I think it was. It was down in Arizona, and I just remember I was watching game my, my brother's 40th birthday party was in lincoln so i was down there but i made sure that the game was on and, and when he got to the final that was such like just a moving moment because uh-huh. he had had such just terrible luck in the NCAA tournament at times i still go back to 2005 when we played west virginia oh yeah and, i remember that game yeah the games the games tied and there's like an eight second differential on the shot clock there at the end of the game and uh, Nate Funk got a look on, on the left wing at a three, but the ball got partially blocked. And you can say it's what basketball is a game of bounces sometimes, and the ball just bounced the right way for West Virginia. And a guy got an outlet. Tyrone Sally got him. He he took off down the floor, and they outletted to him. And he got a dunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, it was a five point swing potentially, and it's just the way it fell. And then I think Nate had a look at a three at the end of the game. And that he, never was, misses, that he never yeah, misses. That he never misses. And just, and you just, you're stunned because it's like, gosh, we had a chance to win that thing. And then West Virginia goes on to the Elite Eight. Yep. Yep. Um, so you, you get to March, man. Sometimes it's just you, you got to catch a break here and there. And he finally caught that break. Yeah. You know? But you know, I always go back to 2005 and say, what if? Because if we would have won that game, we would have played Wake Forest the second round, and they had a guy. We always tease McKinney about this. Uh, they had a guy that was really good named Chris Paul that played point guard for him. <laughs> What's he done <laughs> since so, college? Has he and, done anything? I think I think he's had a pretty good NBA career. Yeah, but it's like, man, you'd have the best scout report going through that stuff because they, they, they had Eric Williams too, is another big body inside. They had a big Lithuanian guy too, but they ended up getting beat by West Virginia in the next round, and, and we're sitting there going, "Gosh, just what if?" Yeah, well, well, that's so, that's that's the run that basically put Beeline on the map. You know. was, so I guess um, I have, I guess I have the honor of being a part of the group that put John Beeline on the uh, on the national map because they made that run and then the next year they made a Sweet Sixteen run and I think it was not too long after they took the Michigan job. So uh, when it opened, so it's all your fault that the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, well, were a mess this year, Jimmy. I can tell you this: it's so, all your fault. Well, at the end of that, so when they went up two, we called timeout. We had to go length the floor. Uh-huh. And like two point one, but so I go in the game. I'm the baseball guy. So at the end of the game, if we had to go length the floor, like ninety four feet, or if we had to get the ball to half court, I was the guy throwing the inbounds pass. Okay, because uh-huh. I have to, you know, just beeline it. Uh-huh. Uh, no pun intended there, but so I get in the game, 
and they've got some big long guy guard the inbounds. And all he says, we had an all, uh, Kellen Milner was an all state receiver down in Georgia. Oh yeah. I remember him. Yep. Yep. So we drove a play. We had another timeout to burn. So he says, all right, just throw it to Kellen. Says, make sure you put it on a line, get it to Kellen and we'll call it, we'll call a timeout. You know, so I'm running out there. There's 2.1 on the clock and you're going, just don't throw this thing out of bounds. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're just, just make it work. Sure enough, I got that thing. I threw that thing on a line. Boom. We hit him, call a timeout. I'm just, it's like, all right, I did my job, you know, because you don't want to be the guy that shows sure. up on some blooper deal saying you threw it 40 feet out of bounds. Sure. You know? Yeah, <laughs> so, absolutely. But, you know, I mean, that, that just, you know, again, you know, you have those moments and, and those experiences you've been through and, uh, you look back, but yeah, I mean, I think Coach at some point here, he's he's going to be in that that national championship game, and because he's really done a great job out there. You know, he's doing a lot of the same stuff he did at, at Creighton. Mm-hmm. He's changed some things offensively. Yep. But he's he's just, I would say he's got longer, better, skilled, more athletic guys than what he had at Creighton. Yep. But he's still doing a lot of the same things. Yep. Yeah. And, and that's, yeah, there's there's no real, I mean, there like you said, I can tell when I watch him play, there's differences with what he did at Creighton. He's not as committed, per se, to the to the spread offense like you guys ran it. No, and, and I uh, think, and see, the spread offense is catered to put guys in positions where they can make plays. And everything, it's a high post offense that, it's out the same set, but I can tell you this, Marty, we have like 70 different variations on that. Oh, set. I'm sure. Yeah, and it was hard to guard, uh, especially it, it's a shooter's offense. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing that we liked about it is all five guys we had on the floor could step out and hit a three. Mm-hmm. So and we were dangerous because I know my junior year I think we were like fifth in the country and threes made as a team, and I think we broke the conference record. We made like two hundred and forty some threes I think for the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean we were we were a, a really good shooting team, uh, but now he's got more guys that can maybe. Uh, get to the rim, yeah, play slashers. above the rim, slashers. Yeah. Yep. But he's still got to mix that. He still has guys that can shoot. And you watch his teams play now. Um, you know they're doing a little bit more isolation stuff and, and spreading you out. But the other, I mean, they're still doing because they're all sitting here watching games. So they just ran palm, mm-hmm. or they just ran too high, or they just ran a hard action. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still doing some of those things, but I think he's also let some of those guys play though too. Yeah. I think it's interesting, and you, and you kind of brought it up, um, and, and this is like you know we're we're going way off script here, but who gives? It's, it's my podcast; I can do what I want. You can do what you want. Uh, exactly. Um, you you talk about coaching styles. I think this is important for coaches listening. Uh, the last two coaches uh, at Creighton um, have been wildly successful. But their their personalities and kind of the way that they've done things have been completely different. Um, Stylistically, probably in the personality of things, but they're both getting it done and they're both getting and they're both extremely successful um, in in kind of two completely different ways. And, And these are just two guys that are that are coaching to their personalities. Like you say, you know, coach Altman, just a, just a bulldog. And I mean, you know, uh, just get after everything. Uh, coach Mack is, is highly competitive, of course, but he's a little bit more laid back. If you go down to one of his practices, 
he'll come over for five minutes and talk to you while assistants running a drill and you're, you're, you know, and I got to know coach Mack, you know, fairly well for the person not involved with the program with coaching his daughter and that type of thing, you know, you know, uh, but both guys are one of the, you know, the best of what they do in the entire country, you know, and I, and I think that's interesting for people that, well, you, you know, sometimes you get into this profession, you think, well, I've got to be like Dana Altman, or I've got to be like Greg McDermott. No, you just got to be Jimmy Motes, you know? You just got to, well, that's the thing. I think some young coaches, I think, try to emulate guys. Okay, these guys have been really good Mm -hmm. um, at what they've done, but what they don't understand is these guys have went through some, uh, they've went through the trenches. They've had years where it hasn't gone well. They've evolved. Uh, yeah, and they've evolved. I mean, I, I think for me, I look back, um, you know, throughout my 13 years being a head coach, I mean, I've hit every uh, end of the spectrum or in every happy medium in between. I mean, I go back to, and we get, we'll we probably talk about this later, but, you know, my second year at Sterling, we, we ended up winning the state championship in D2. And then about three years later, I got to Central City and won two games. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first year, just because you're, you're trying to, you know, you're building from scratch, you're trying to do your own thing and just, it, it, it was what it was, but uh, I think, you know, I think early on when uh, you, you talk about different styles, going back to, to Coach Allman and Coach Mack, uh, I, I would say the one similarity those two have is the attention to detail piece. They are Absolutely. so detailed I would agree. With, what the, with what they do, uh, but they it's different, though, in terms of maybe how uh, they deliver it or, or how they coach it or those things, but, I mean, there's still the same commonality between the two. And, and, and Coach Mack, I mean, I really love being around watched his practices we i picked up some things from him uh, as well because he's a lot he was a lot more you know back at northern iowa and then you know talk about changing i mean he was a lot more half court off oh runs, run, yeah. run a bunch yep. of sets yep. and try and try to win games 58 52 mm-hmm. well he kind of they when he got to creighton I mean, early on they were they were a lot of sets up but then he just kind of let those guys play and then all of a sudden shooter you was kind of became like the the norm yep. you know because just the way but I still think Shooter U goes back to even the Altman era in the 2000s, where we had guys that were just assassins from the perimeter that could just fill it up. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he's got guys. The one thing about Coach Mack, he's only got skilled guys. Yep. I think there's one thing when you look at the Creighton roster right now. Those guys can shoot it. They can spread you out. They weren't very big this year. But then on the flip side, you're doing, well, oh. teams are going to have a tough time matching up with them because of their ability to, to spread you out. Those three so, guards were just yeah, such they're just solid. good. Yeah. And, and their ability in transition, I mean, that's the thing is, I mean, what people forget is Coach back in Northern Iowa, it was like grinded out. Those games were just brutal play, especially in the Uni Dome, because it always ended up being like 62, <laughs> 58, or 67, 64. Yeah. And they were just grinders. Yeah. You know, physical grinding games. And then now it's more of tempo. It's more, people are like, oh, this is fun to watch. And I'm, I'm thinking back, like, God, that wasn't the way he was doing things 15 years ago. Well, I, um, I'll even go 25 years ago when he was at Wayne State. I was when I was yeah. a student in college, and we would play Wayne, uh, and we all, it was one of the few games where we had a boy-girl doubleheader, and and we always just loved that night, even though Wayne kicked the snot out of our guys' team most of the time under under his tutelage. But it was it was uh, just a clinic watching the the sets and the counters and the counter to the counter and that type of thing you know kind of like what you're talking about with Dana you know he had 70 some options in your spread offense you know coach Mack was like that back at Wayne and then like you said he made the he went up to North it was at North Dakota North Dakota State I I know it was way up there Um, and then 
and then yeah and then and then all of a sudden just out of nowhere it's like hey let's just let's just run and let it fly here so to speak no no pun intended hashtag let it fly but but uh yeah it was an evolution of things you know so so, i mean and and i think that's where you know young coach today i mean you kind you live and you learn and you you adjust and we'll maybe get this later is you always adjust your personnel Mm -hmm. uh, especially the high school level um, but I think where those guys, I mean, they've been different. They've they've kind of changed as times of you know as the game maybe has changed a little bit in terms of how it's played. Uh, it's a lot it's a lot more physical today, yeah, uh, than it's been. So I you know you, coaching styles are different, and you know I've had to change even some of the things I've done uh, in comparison to you know when I was down Sterling. Now that then you know you make the move to a bigger school than you know, like in Columbus. I mean, this last year we were one of the smaller a schools um and we figured that we're gonna have to maybe be a little more creative in terms of game planning when we got to let's say the postseason mm-hmm. or we played some of those schools you know because i know my first couple of years here we were, we were still playing the uh a class a and a class b kind of schedule mm-hmm. where one we, one night we were playing hastings the next night we we're playing lincoln northeast uh-huh. um so it was it was much different but again you you, you kind of adapt and and you learn from those things, and obviously, I mean, you know, going into a new situation down there, which I'm somewhat familiar with, because we played Norris the last year, and I was here in Columbus. Um, I mean, there's going to be some changes there, and, I, and I'll probably do some things a little bit differently than I did here. Yeah, yeah. So you you, you kind of referred to it earlier. You you win a, a state championship uh, your second year, and in my research for this, um, I, I stumbled across a clip. Of, of what I would generously call your Jimmy Valvano moment. Um, that's that, never going to die. No. <laughs> but so, die. so, so folks, uh, if, you, if you're interested to see the second coming of Jimmy Valvano, look up uh, Jimmy Moats 2000, whatever it was, nine state championship uh, game. You, you hit a three basically at the buzzer, or close to the buzzer, about three seconds left. And uh, uh, that, that, was, that, was a, that, was a, that was an entertaining watch. You made me giggle for a minute or two, Coach. Well, so let's let's rewind that back to the first day of camp. I worked those kids in 2007. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was 22 months of a culminating moment with that group. Mm-hmm. Because when I got down there, they were it was a young group because the year before they were four and fifteen, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But we had but a lot of those kids were underclassmen and they were still underclassmen coming back. You know, and it wasn't so much a rebuild; it just you know, retooled a little bit here, you mm-hmm. know, a little bit of confidence here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also it's the, it's the, you know, how do you approach practice, the work ethic piece. And, and what I will say for those kids is once they figured out, man, that thing took off. Yeah. And, and, and we challenged them. And that summer, I remember we went to a team camp right away. We played small city sacred heart and said, okay, we're going to see them in our district. We played Columbus Lakeview and Lincoln, who was in the state tournament. We, we played a lot of these bigger schools, and we just got our tails kicked. I mean, we, they, we just got it handed to us. And for me, for, for those kids, though, I said, okay, this is where we're at right now. And I said, hey, we're going to get to that point, but you gotta you got to trust the process mm-hmm. in, in terms of putting time in. And, and those kids had great work ethics. I mean, we, I was really blessed to have a, a really good group of kids down there when I got down there because – uh, I think like Zach Lemka, who was a kid that was a three-year starter for me down there, All-State kid. He went to play football at Peru State, ended up being an All-American. Uh, was a six-five kid uh, that was really talented, just hard-nosed. 
it helped his mom was a stein cooler uh, yeah. um so that helped so there was good, some good genetics there. there yeah there's some good gene pool there but we had jake sadoff who was a 6263 kid will Wortley was a 65 kid his, his little brother jake Wortley was uh an all-state player for us uh his junior senior year we had jesse salberg who's a point guard that was really good uh, there's a three-year starter. And uh, Brandon Naveen was a great role guy for us on that 09 team. Uh, that he, I think he hit, this is no joke, I think Brandon hit the first shot of each state tournament game that year in 09. Oh, wow. He was a kid that scored like three points a game all year. I think he hit like six or seven threes that weekend. Wow. You know? But those, those are things you have to have happen yep. in, 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 in a tournament like that uh, to make a run. So, you know, you go back, so we're talking June of 2007. And I remember the first night, my dad was still, was helping me. Because he helped me out down there, and we're driving back to Lincoln. So I was staying there, and I just kind of looked at him, and I just go, "God, what do we get ourselves into?" And he kind of looked at me and goes, "What do you mean we?" You know, <laughs> so, it's like, so, but to those kids' his credit, though, it kept coming. You know, they kept working, and then the first year I was down there, we go fifteen and eight, mm-hmm. and we get beat by Sacred Heart in the sub district final. But in the locker room afterwards, there's a sense of, okay, we've got twelve guys coming back next year off that team. And we're going to make a run at this thing. And that summer, those kids worked hard. I mean, then we started going to some of the summer stuff, the summer leagues, the team camps, and our guys were winning. I mean, and they played a little chip on the shoulder. Uh-huh. And, and and they brought it. Yeah. And then that next year, um, we opened the year with Sacred Heart home. We beat them. So you can kind of say we, we quote, unquote, uh, finally were able to kind of get over the hump against them. And then we ended yeah. up beating them four times that year. Wow. Which um, – that's accomplishment. Which, which that's a, it's, yeah, which I don't know if it's been done. Uh, but I think people really, we hung our hat on that because that was, that was a big obstacle for those kids mentally to overcome. Yeah. Uh, was to beat that because they were, they were kind of the benchmark in Southeast Nebraska and still are. And rightfully so because Doug's been really good. Doug's been really good down there. Did you, any, I'm sorry, did you make that like, a, okay, you know, you know, did you make that like a, a a benchmark game? Did you talk about it? Absolutely. Like, every yeah, year. Yeah. Every year. Mm-hmm. It was the first game of the year. Yeah. We played them right out of the gate. So, I mean, that was, that was the game. It was mm-hmm. always circled on the calendar. And the mm-hmm. kids knew it. And we told us, okay, because they were, we were always in the same district, too, sub-district. Yeah. So we mm-hmm. knew we were going to probably see them again at some point yeah. down the road. We might see them in Medecas. We could see them in the Pioneer Conference Tournament. Well, that year we saw them opening, the opening night at home. And then we played them in Medecas. Then we beat him, beat him in Udecas. Then we beat him in the sub-district final. Now you're thinking, okay, we finally <laughs> have put the dragon to bed or slayed the dragon. Sure enough, they get it as a wild card. We see in the first round of the state tournament. Oh, goodness you know, gracious. So now you're thinking, we got to beat these guys a fourth time. And, you know, that's hard to do. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. And especially when – and Goltz is going to have something ready for you. Yeah. Because that staff down there, like Adam Santa, who's a good friend of mine, was assistant down there. And they, they always – they had something ready for us every time, mm-hmm. you know. But it was just that that last state tournament game, our kids just they executed well, did a lot of good things down the stretch, and it, we're able to. I think we won by fifteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those games were all tight in the regular season. So, you know, that 09 season though, uh, we start the year ten and zero. Uh, you know, momentum's going. We beat Brink Davenport, who was number one at D one at home, which was a huge win at the time, and they just kind of took off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, then we end up seeing Freeman, who was in the state finals in C two that year. And we got beat by them, Udecas. We got beat by them three times wow. in the regular season. That was the one team we just couldn't figure out, couldn't beat. But they were really good. Mm-hmm. They were talented. Um, and, and, and Jim McLaughlin, who's a good friend of mine, he was at my wedding, um, the coach of Freeman. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
to me, is one of the best coaches in Nebraska because he's always put his guys in position to make things happen. And it's like a chess match. We knew each other so well. It was stupid we played each other because once somebody yell out something, sure enough, the other the other bench is yelling something to counter it. You know, it's like here comes this. You know, yeah. watch this cut. You know, uh, but that was the fun of it too because mm-hmm. we we became really good friends out of it. But then, so that year in '09, we get the state tournament. We beat Sacred Heart. We won a district championship before that. I should get to that because we beat Hampton. That was the last year Jerry Eikhoff, who for coaches out there, for young coaches, if you don't know who Jerry Eikhoff is, better look him up. Uh, Jerry was at Hampton for a lot of years, I think 40 years maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this was his last year. They were 21-1 and going to that district final game. And whoever won the game was going to be the number one seed in the state tournament. Mm-hmm. So it was a big game for both. And we played the game at Creed. And gosh, you know, going to get my one chance, my first opportunity to get to a state tournament. And I've got to meet a guy who's got Six hundred and thirty some more wins than I do, you know. And yeah, he, he, he's got a lot, and yeah. rightfully so. And so, at the end of the first quarter, we're at four of three. <laughs> okay, I mean, it's that type of game. But both yeah. teams, I mean, it's just it was neither team could hit a bucket. Both teams defended well, and then we're up at halftime. It's like, all right, can we just sustain the momentum, keep this going? Don't let don't let their their, their stud get going. And then Jake Worley had two big threes in the corner that kind of put us up 10. And then we ended up winning the game by 12. And in that moment for me, it was like, okay, you, you kind of arrive a little bit because now it's your first opportunity to get to a state tournament. And, you know, real excited because I was only 25 at the time. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking, oh, this is great. You know, I mean, I could do this every year, which <laughs> I think what I learned years later, it's much harder than you think to do. Yeah, it is. It's hard and to it win. It really is. It's hard to win, and yep. it's hard to get to March. Yep. So we get to stay. Like I said, we, we knock off Sacred Heart, and then we played Hay Springs in the semis, who was undefeated from out west. We beat them by eight, and then Ewing that year was ultra-talented in all sports because mm-hmm. uh, they'd won football, girls' basketball, girls' volleyball, and they were going to try to be the first school, I think, ever in the history of Nebraska sports to win the, the, the major sports in one yeah. school year. Yeah. Well, we, we kind of rained on that parade a little bit. Uh, but that game, though, going into it, you know, you don't have much time to prepare. Mm-hmm. And we try to keep it simple. And we went in that game thinking if if Lemka could just kind of neutralize Austin Concer, who's like one of the lead top scorers ever in the history of the state, if we could just get a wash there with performances, we felt good about being in a position to win. Sure enough, both had 22 mm-hmm. points. But – we were able to speed them up that game. We we put them in uncomfortable situations because we pressed. I mean, yeah. there ain't a lot of teams in, in that press. Yeah. And but we pressed. We were ninety four fifty. I mean, we ran the old Creighton Green press where it was a one the one two one one. But we had guys that just worked hard and we put yeah. them in a comf- and I should say uncomfortable situations where they were throwing the ball away. We forced twenty one turnovers that game, and we only had fourteen. Yeah. Um. And, but offensively, I think both teams had the same amount of field goals. I mean, the numbers were pretty comparable in the game. Mm-hmm. But there were two plays in that game. We took two charges at big times that negated two baskets for them, mm-hmm. uh, which were which were a difference. Obviously, it was a one-point game. But we were up six you know, in the overtime with, with 43 seconds left, and then we were down one with 14 <laughs> seconds left. Right? And that was – the worst 29 seconds of basketball in my life <laughs> because we missed free throws. Uh, we gave them essentially a five point possession. 
yeah. uh, if I remember right, because I think we had they had two free throws to cut it to two. We threw. We had a kid take the ball out of bounds that never takes it out. That did because he got the ball to the net, and he's like, "Oh!" And he went to take it out, and then we threw it away. We fouled the kid the layup. Kid makes the layup. He hits the free throw. So it goes from being we're leading the game. Now we're down one. Yeah. And so we get the ball. We get it across half court. Ball gets tipped out of bounds on a pass. So we got four seconds on the sideline of bounds. Now you call a timeout or not? I didn't, and thank God I didn't. Mm-hmm. Because as we were getting ready to inbound the ball, a kid from Ewing was tying his shoe in the paint. And then Brandon Veen made the wrong cut on our set. But yeah. it was the right cut because he took his guy away from the action. And the Sadoff kid, who was our smartest kid, because our I always had my smartest guy taken out, throws a, a kind of just a skip pass almost, or cross-court pass to Lepka. And Lepka just popped out to about 17 feet. Bam, drained it. Mm-hmm. Now, he hits the shot. Here's the problem. The clock didn't start. So, ball is in play. Shot's in the air. Ball goes in. All of a sudden, we look. There's still 4.1 <laughs> the clock. Then the clock finally started. And they had a desperation heave. And all of a sudden, you know, it's just like pandemonium. It happened. Yeah. And it, you know, and it, it, that was 22 months of work with that group where the, the first day we had them, it's like, man, is this thing going to happen? To all of a sudden, we're playing in front of 10,000 to Vanny, and we just had a game-winning shot to win the state championship. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, it's like, you just got these wide range, wide range of emotions going on, and all of a sudden, I just kind of took off on a run. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and doing that in dress shoes, is, don't do it in dress shoes. Oh, it's awful. But then, I, I was just looking, I don't I don't know, it was just kind of a surreal moment, like, you're just in the moment, you're like, you don't know what you're doing, but then all of a sudden, like, I found the left kid, gave a big hug, and then, I think Kevin Suits from 10-11, like, spiced it up, or spiced it up with the Jimmy V run. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I'm just going to tell you this, Jimmy V did it better, all right, because, I mean... <laughs> he had a little he, bit smoother gait than you did. He, he, yeah, I mean, mine was just kind of like, I'm 6'7", I'm and, you know, these kids are probably thinking, oh, God, coach is coming at me, he's going <laughs> to knock me down. <laughs> but that moment, though, I mean, if I, if I could do it all over again, I, I, I would do it, because, yeah. I mean, you, you just don't know if you're going to get that opportunity again. Yeah. You know, to get back in that game, and it's hard to do. Yeah. And for me, I mean, that moment being 25 and have that opportunity to be in a, in a state championship game like that, and, and just for me, it was the elation of watching those kids. You know, they, they reached the pinnacle. I mean, they reached the top of the mountain, and they were able to cut the nets down, wear those gold medals. And to me, that was, that's one of the proudest moments I've had in basketball mm-hmm. is to put those gold medals around those kids' necks. That was so cool, and those, the smiles and whatnot. And, and that town rallied around those kids. Yeah. And so for me, it was much bigger than basketball, coaching, whatever. I mean, it brought a community together, and it really kind of just that set the mantra for Sterling basketball for the next few years. Very good. Very good. That's a great story. So, well, we're gonna we're gonna transition a little bit here, Coach. We're gonna go into our Don Meyer quote of the day. Um, the goat Don Meyer here. Um, the Don Meyer quote of the day, and you've kind of touched on this throughout the podcast so far. You build your program from the ideas of great coaches. The Don Meyer Absolutely. quote of the day. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. And I, you know, I think you probably had a chance to listen to him speak. I, he came to Nebraska coaches like a couple times, and obviously he's he's passed on. But I mean, there was things. I mean, he was so influential. Again, he's kind. of if you know Don Meyer, you know college basketball. Yep. I mean, because that name is very influential <clears throat> in the game. Um, you do it your way. 
Yep. You know, I don't think you, you don't until they tell you, you can't do it anymore. You do it your way. I think is the way to to go by it. But you, you take pieces. I mean, you learn different things, you know, mm-hmm. and from different people. And you know, but but at the end of the day, you got to spin it your way. You because you got to make decisions. And I always say this as a head coach: the best thing I did was go to Sterling. It really was. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I think I think there's some guys that you know it's a lot different being a an assistant coach at a high level than being a head coach at let's say a class C or D school because in, at a class as a head coach you're calling all the shots. Yep. It, it falls on you. As an assistant you can just kind of oh, give input here or yeah I can maybe do this but at the end of the day you're doing budgets you're doing you're filling out bus forms you're ordering stuff you're putting camps together you're doing clinics you're setting practice times, gym schedules. There is so much more to it than the X and O's piece that I think some young coaches don't understand. And to me, I I was lucky that they gave me an opportunity. I can't thank Jim Duvall and Greg Peterson enough for taking a chance on a guy they didn't really know. Mm -hmm. And 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 I walked into a situation where I I knew of Sterling, Nebraska just because of the run they had in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And because Justin Haynes played a great two, I knew. But then I got down there. It was like I lived in Omaha, so I'm going from like I've got all these restaurants, whatnot, everything, <laughs> to no stoplight, the gas station, uh, a bar, and a restaurant to eat at, and that's about that, it. That was it. Yeah, no grocery store, no nothing. You had to drive to Lake or Tecumseh to get something, mm-hmm. uh, or go up to the Jet Stop if you're in a pinch. Yeah. So taking a chance there. And I think when when you start looking at when you start start making that move up, to me I felt like I did the right way because I, I started there and worked my way up to Central City. And, and I think this, the three years I had in Central City were probably the most influential because I learned a lot. I more so not only learned more about just how to be creative, I learned a lot about myself mm-hmm. as a coach because you struggled there. Because yeah, because we won fifteen games in three years there. Yeah. Okay. But that we went from winning two games my first year because we just. I mean, we had good kids, nice kids, but just when it came from the basketball standpoint, we had a long ways to go. Yeah. And then the next year we won four games, but we were competing at a much higher level. Mm-hmm. And then my last year we won nine. That was the most we had won in ten years there. Mm-hmm. And we lost some close ones. Mm-hmm. But, you know, everybody said, oh, you won 15 games. Well, but I became a much better coach in those three years there. And, and those kids, I mean, they started to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, even the football run they had there helped. You know, just because they were able to you know, learn how to win and some of those things. But I became better. And then even at Columbus here, I came here, and we kind of had to start over scratch a little bit. And the biggest thing for me here is we had to get the, the youth program going yeah. at Columbus. And yeah. so that was priority number one. We just had to simply get basketball more promoted mm-hmm. uh, in the city. And so uh, we spent a lot of time just you know organizing things for that. But then once we got into the high school season – uh, we we demanded things from kids more. I mean, we pushed kids harder than we probably should have. But we also knew if we were going to compete at a high level and compete for district championships and state tournament first, that some things had to change. Mm-hmm. And it, it was the little things like, you know, finishing lines and run when you're running practice. You know, if you don't touch the line, we're going to do it again. And not cutting corners, mm-hmm. you know, and teaching those things. And so my first year at Columbus, we go 8-16. We honestly won more games than I thought we were going to yeah. with that group. But then we come back the next year. We start the year 6-1. And, uh, and we're ranked. And, and 
in Class B and, and almost knocked off Northeast, who was number two in the state early in December. Um, but then we got into February, and again, the South sometimes your seasons go. You go through ups and downs, ebbs and flows. We lost our 6'5 junior kid, Michael Cook, to a bad ankle injury. I thought he broke his leg. It was that oh, bad. Geez. And we were getting ready to play play La Vista, who was number one in the state at the time. And uh, we lost him basically for the rest of the regular season. And, and we had a couple of things that popped up. And we ended up going one and five down the stretch. And just We got beat by Crete in the district. And just it just never, it just never, we never rallied from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, you've got those moments too. But even the run I had here in Columbus, I thought, you know, a couple of years ago, we went two and eighteen. Two years ago, but we had seven freshmen on the varsity. Yeah. Um, so we had one of the youngest teams in the state. Period. Uh-huh. And we're playing a lot of young kids. So, you know, like I said, you you do it your way. You go to the highs, lows, and whatnot. But everybody, I, mean, I think there's people that try to emulate guys. There's only going to be one Doug Woodard. There's only going to be one Doug Bolts. There's going to be one Jim Weeks. There's going to be one whoever. I mean, yeah. But as, a, as an assistant coach, if you have aspirations to be a head coach, my thing is if there's a head opportunity work, take a chance. Yeah. Because I think if you're looking to move up that ladder, that they're going to look at, oh, he's got head coaching experience compared to, well, you've been an assistant here and there. And I'm not saying assistants can't get jobs, you know, depending upon what the situations are. But I think there's just that element of when you, when you have that experience and, and, you, and you've made those decisions and you've been in the line of fire – you know, good or bad, most people remember the bad more so than the good, mm-hmm. you know, because that's just how we are in society. But I think as, as a young coach coming up, I mean, if you got a chance to get a head job, and I think you learn more from those experiences, more so from your faults than anything, uh, compared to the, the championships and the conference championships, those things that you win. Yeah. So you sent me, for, for a little background for everybody, you sent me a, a, a presentation that, that you had put together. Um, and it was really, really detailed, and there was a lot of really good things on there. And I just wanted to go through some of those things with you and kind of have you uh, expand on some of those things from what you sent me. Um, because you're, you're in a transition. I mean, I'm in a transition as well. I'm, I'm taking over a program that has not had a lot of success the last two or three years. And, and a lot of the things that you're talking about, those are the same things that I'm kind of going through right now as well. And... So, um, so I'm just going to hit some, some stuff here and, and you just, you just kind of roll with it here. I I think one of the most important things that you put in there, um, very early on in your, in your presentation, uh, have a plan and stick to it. And so, you know, talk about the importance of that. Well, like, so every stop I've been at, uh, this will be my fourth one coming up as a head coach. And I go back to like the when I got the Sterling job, you know, what's the vision you have for what you want to get done, and, and what's the plan going to be moving forward? So down there, like I said, we had a lot of guys back from that team. They're just young, mm-hmm. so it was more so retooling than a rebuild. Now I get to Central City, it's kind of like okay, let's let's maybe implode this thing, try to do something differently, and, and focus on the, the the playing hard, the competing, the toughness piece. Because uh, we didn't, we had athletes, but we weren't skilled. Yeah. You know, and basketball's a game. You gotta be able to throw in the ocean. Yeah, and we, and we struggle to score score points at times. Yeah. Um, so I mean, you're focused on those things. Then we come to Columbus. It's more so okay. Just gotta change a mindset. You know, change it. Just how, how are we gonna go about it? And I felt like we made some strides there in that capacity. Uh, and then going into the 
being able to get the opportunity here at Norris, um, you, this is a different because we got four starters back, a kid that was a second-team All-State kid as a junior, and, and, a, and a really good uh, group of kids under under them, that really good JV team, freshman team, that, that you'll approach it differently because now you're talking, okay, we got guys that can play. Yeah, you're going to hit the ground running a little bit more. We're going to hit the ground running. Yep. And, you know, with a sense of better basketball IQ, just more basketball savvy, and kids that are gym rats, that – that are skilled, that can score. And, you know, they were one of the best defensive teams in the state last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, overall, like they held teams under 40 points a game. Mm-hmm. You know, because I we played them last year, and we scored 61. I felt like we scored 60, we beat them. Well, kid had a three at the buzzer to beat us, and, I, and that was one of the first things I let that kid know when I got the job, is I had forgotten <laughs> that yet. <laughs> so, I, I think, when, yeah. Like He's got said, some work to do to get back in your good graces? Uh, He's going to have to, you know. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, go in with it, you know, start figuring out what do you want to do. And it's not going to happen all in year one. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I look at, like, what Tony Siski did at Norfolk when he won that state championship. I mean, Tony walked into a situation where um, he just had to get him over the hump, you know, take that next step. Because that team was really good with, with Straub and McCallum and those guys. They, they were really good. And he got him uh, to the promised land. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, Anytime you go into a, a situation, I mean, you're going to have some sort of idea, okay, how's year one going to look? How's year two going to look? Is your feeder program in place? Yep. Uh, and that's the one thing. Our feeder program down there, they've done a great job uh, of getting that going, and it's in place. And Because when I came to Columbus, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so, I mean, the situation there is is much different. Uh, so, you look at it, and it's not just, you know, you're playing with your high school program, but how's it all, you know, how the other things look? Plus, one of the big things for me is I got to get to know those other head coaches in the building too. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're we're sharing kids. We got multi sport kids, and I think that's a big piece of it too. Is where you got to be able to work those other coaches as well. So, but in terms of a basketball standpoint, you know, you look at okay, how is next year going to look? How are we going to play? What can we do differently? You know, because mm-hmm. I don't want to change a lot necessarily because yeah. what they're doing right now, they've been really good at. But I've got all my assistant coaches back; they're on board. Uh, but there might be some things we offensively might do differently in terms of transition offense because uh, I do want to play more up and down with that group because mm-hmm. they, they've got a lot more athletes than, than maybe we did here at Columbus. Um, so I think that's a big thing is your plans will be different year to year uh, as a coach because every year is different. Uh, but stick with it. You know, you got you to trust the process and you got to do what's best for your program. So I think that's a huge thing mm-hmm. uh, as a head coach is when you, when you divulge those things is, all right, start figuring out in August, September – how November, December, January, and February is going to look. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's a big piece of it. Yeah. How important is it uh, um, for for those, and, and you've mentioned it a couple of times here in the last few minutes about being an assistant versus being a head coach, you know, to, to be prepared to have uh, your ducks in a row and know exactly what your, your vision is of your program is going to look like. Cause I, I think what happens with sometimes with assistant coaches is uh, interviewing for an assistant coach is much different than interviewing for a head coaching position. Absolutely. And, and, and so you need to start thinking about what you want your program to look like. If you're interested in being in a head coach, you gotta, you gotta start thinking about your vision for your program, wherever that may be a year two years ahead of time, uh, and, and I think sometimes a lot of assistant coaches think, well, well, there's a head coaching position, and I'm going to interview in a week, and now I've got to scramble and put all these thoughts together all at once. I think you got to have that that mindset of, 
as you're coaching as an assistant coach, what what would be my vision? What am I looking to do? And you start putting that together so that you know exactly what you're going to say when you get into that interview room with the principal, with the AD, with the superintendent, that type of thing. How important is that, right. Jimmy? Oh, I think it's it's vastly important. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, you know, my journey, like I, I talked about this earlier, is I started at a D two school uh, that had a K twelve number of like two hundred fifty kids total. Yeah. You know, so it, what Mike Sterling was a was a big time school. I mean, it was a small community, small school, but I wanted the opportunity to just be head coach. Now I had one year under my belt. I coached the freshman great prep, and I helped out with the varsity. But then I saw this opportunity come about. It's like you know what, I want to look into this. Mm-hmm. And so I did, but then you start putting your thoughts together. But I, I will say this, I always go back each year that I've done this. I just write notes down and just figure out, okay, you know, what went well? What can I do differently? You know, a couple of years ago, I think this was um, two years ago, when I had seven freshmen on the varsity, I probably should have done some things different with them in just terms of like maybe checking in with them more, talking to them more. But I thought... You know, my thought was going in though. This group's a little bit more mature than we've had in the past. They'll be able to handle it. Well, they're still freshmen. Yep. I mean, they're they're still fourteen years old, fifteen years old, and they're playing against big boys. They're playing against men. Yep. And I could have done some things differently there, in just terms of how I handled it. Uh, maybe just talking to them more. And but it was such a unique situation because we were putting a lot of trust in a lot of young kids. Uh, to play at the varsity level. And now those kids got better as the year went along, but they didn't know how to win. You know, you just, you get put in those situations where you just, you couldn't close games and, you know, just a little thing that up. So even then, you know, that was uh, two years ago. I could have done that differently. Uh, But again, you just, you go through each year, you just kind of jot things down. You know, and the thing I share with you, I mean, this is just a culmination of things I've had over the years. Ross, okay, you learn this piece, or you didn't think about this, or this went well. We could have done this different. So I think you're always constantly, it's no different than being a teacher in the classroom. I mean, you're constantly evolving and changing with the times, uh, but you're also learning from those experiences as well. So I think, you know, learn a hat as an assistant is much different because if you're going to, to my advice to young assistant coaches or assistant coach out there, is you start putting things together because yeah. all of a sudden it's like an opportunity comes up. Like you said, you're scrambling, and also I got an interview in five days. Well, you might want to have a little bit more prep time <laughs> to kind of think about what you're going to do. And I think, you know, even when the Norris job came up here recently, um, you, you start going back and you start thinking about, okay, how would that look under my direction? So I had to put some thoughts together and, and figure out a plan and how it look. And really, at the end of the day, you're thinking, okay, there maybe isn't a whole lot necessarily you need to change. Yeah, you know, you, you just want to come in and. And I told our returners this is I'm not here to reinvent the wheel. I said, I'm here to take what's been done and, and try to improve it, make it better. Yeah. And I think that's, and I think I feel, what I feel good about here is leaving Columbus is I tried, I look back and I think did I leave the program in a better spot than it was five years ago. And I felt like I did. Yeah. All right. So I feel good about that. Now we didn't get to a district final like I wanted to, we didn't get to a state tournament like I wanted to, but there's other things that went into it that I felt like we did a really good job of. I had a really good assistant coach that helped me along the way too, to make that happen. So even with your, like we've talked about this, the the assistant coach piece, the head coach piece, two totally different animals Yep. uh, at the end of the day. And so when when you're making decisions, like we said, for your program, the buck stops the head coach and, and what happens happens. And, 
And sometimes it works out. You might think you've got a great game plan that completely bombs. Or you go into a, a big game, you're thinking, man, I don't know what's going to happen. And all of a sudden, you went by 20. Yep. You know, sometimes you just you just don't know. And I think that's the beauty about sports and, and athletics in general is sometimes there's just things that happen that you have no control over. Yeah. You know, and I think that's part of it, too. And when you work with 15 to 18-year-old kids, sometimes you don't know what you're going to get. Nope. That's the other thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another thing that you had on there. Um, you talked about how the little things add up, and you kind of referred to it about touching lines, don't cut corners, hustle the spots, that type of thing. How do you create those good habits with kids? Oh, I think you drill it in their head from day one. Um, you know, I'm, I'm real big, and that's the attention detail piece. Those little things are going to add up because you get in a game where if you don't finish a line drill in practice, you're going to be able to finish the game, like late in the game. Um, you know, it's the when you're between the lines, and, and, and this is where I learned from Coach A is you don't walk when you're on the floor. You don't walk, right? You jog the spots because just he goes just looks bad, just sets a bad tone. He's always about setting tone. That was his big thing, mm-hmm. and, and you know, the, and just you know, the punctuality piece, you know, being on time. Uh, if you if you got practice at ten o'clock, be ready to go at ten o'clock, not walking in at ten o two. That always drives me nuts. Yep, uh, you know. When you're when you're doing drill stuff, I mean, do it with purpose uh, because you want those things. Because that's gonna, it's gonna eventually the cream rise to the top. It always eventually will catch up to you at some point. When if you're not putting those demands on your kids, at some point it's gonna catch up to you at a at a bad time when it's gonna nip you. And it's just then you're gonna look back and you go, "What if?" And those are the two words. when you, when you look back, if you're saying that, it's like, then you're second-guessing yourself something. You know, there's always the what-if question. We always ask that question with mm-hmm. a lot of things. You know, what if I would have done this? What if I would have put more time in? How would it have looked? You know, hindsight's twenty twenty in the big picture. But you don't ask yourself that. So I think when you when you talk about those pieces in terms of the, the attention to detail, the, the, the little things, mm-hmm. because now you're talking about you know, you got a kid that's showing up late. How are you going to handle that situation? You yeah. know, are you, how are you going to address it? So, I think the little things are, are more important than maybe even some of just the general things because yeah. those, to me, are the things that separate you from being 18, 19, 20 wins to 10, 11, 12 wins. Yeah. I, I've tried to change, and it's hard, especially as you get older to change my vocabulary when it comes to that, you know, they're all things. And, you know, so I try not to call them the little things. I just, the details of things. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing. And it's the same thing, but I don't, you know, I, I you know, just kind of, and maybe this is just having too much time on my hands here to, to, to think about stuff, but, you know, um, you know, if you say little things, well, they go, well, then it's not that big a deal to not touch a line on a line drill or whatever, you know. But, yeah, it is. And that, that like, well, you, like like you just said, that's a, that could be the difference between 10-11 wins and 17-18 wins just because of the mentality of how we're going to finish things off. Right. So they're and all I, details. I, yeah, you know? and I, I think another thing to look at is I notice this on film sometimes is it, it, it may not seem important to, like, the people in the stands or whatnot. But if my bench isn't involved in the game, oh, it drives me then nuts. There, there's something wrong in it. You know, it's it's support your teammates. You know, I watch film this year, and I'll, after a made basket, one of the first things I'll do is I'll look at our bench. If it's in the clip, I'll see how they're reacting. 
Mm-hmm. Or if, if a kid takes a charge, is our bench up clapping? Or if a kid dies on the floor, gets a loose ball, makes a play, is our bench engaged in the game? Because if I see a couple kids sitting there, it's going to get addressed. Yeah. You know, because to me, that that's just being selfish on your part. And because you, you win as a team, you lose as a team. I mean, there's no individual accolades where they say, you know, John Doe scored 20 points. Hey, he gets to go play in the state tournament. No, that's not how it works. It's either y'all are in or it's not going to happen. And so, I don't know how, I mean, that's one thing I've really been a stickler on. I'll, I'll see how our guys in the game are involved on yeah. the bench. Yeah. If they're clapping. And, you know, and, and I think the other thing, too, is when you talk about the little things, when things are going good, it's easy to be on board. But I think when you find out about your teams is when things get tough. When you find that first kind of major piece of adversity, then you find out what you're working with. Mm-hmm. Like how do your kids respond? And for me, that, that's been one of the toughest obstacles, I think, um, in, in Columbus. is Our kids didn't necessarily handle those, those things well because if it didn't go well, there's a tendency to kind of shut down. Yep. And so we really had to, to harp on that and work on it and just say, Basketball is a game. You're going to have adversity. Things are not going to go well all the time. Yep. You know how do you respond to those situations? And I thought even this year at times, I mean, we had situations where we were down, you know, double digits, and we were down 11 points out of Lexington with four minutes left in the game, and all of a sudden, boom, we come back and take the lead. Mm-hmm. Now you're thinking, okay, we didn't quit. So I mean, that's a huge step. It may not seem like much, but that was, you know, that's, a, that's a huge. Um, you know, character building piece with your program is, you know, your kids aren't going to give in. They're going to keep fighting and battling because that thing's going to went to 20 real easily. Yeah. And, and we're driving two and a half hours home with, <laughs> you know, instead we missed a three at the buzzer that they could have sent to overtime. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I think those little things with, you know, like you said, the, the touch the lines, the hustle on the spots, not cutting corners, doing, you know, finishing drills the purpose, attention to detail, believing in what, you're doing as a player and what we're doing as a, as a coaching staff. And then the adversity piece, I think you find out real quick what you're working with. Yep. And, and I think as a, as a coach, um, you're going to find out right away, okay, this group's got a chance to do something or I mean, we still got maybe a way or a couple steps here in terms of getting that next plateau. You were, you were talking about the bench and, and I want to publicly apologize to anybody who I exchange film with this year. Um, but one of the things, and this is kind of a hard lesson learned from a previous experience, but one of the things that, that I'm going to do this year is during our timeouts, I'm going to have our filmer tape our, you know, zoom in on our bench and tape our bench just so I can go back in the game. Okay. Who's engaged during the timeouts or uh, the, the, the quarter break or whatever it may be. Uh, because you know how it is, you get in the huddle and you're spending most of your time talking to the five kids in the huddle or the five kids that are in the right. game and that type of thing. And, and to, to emphasize culture and attention to detail and, and that type of thing, you know, those are things that, that I'm going to consider really, really important. And, and if, and if you don't want to be engaged on the bench, if you don't want to be enthusiastic on the bench, if you're not, if you're going to be, you know, seeing who's eating popcorn in the fourth row, Okay, then I'll find somebody else to take your uniform. You know, and I don't yeah. mean that in a threatening well, way, but th- but those are things that you can control. And if we're going to be here, let's be engaged. Let's put let's let's invest everything that we're going to put into it. You know, type of know, thing. And I, and I think that's where even like you know when you talk, you talk about time, obviously, yeah, you're, you're worried about the five guys that are in the game, but I think that's where your assistant coaches come in too. Yep, and, and can talk to guys, and, you know, whatever needs to be addressed if there's a situation or a play. You know, and I, and I think the one thing even during games. 
you know, I can only see so much. Yep. Okay, that's what, and, you know, every head coach is different in terms of what they want their assistants to do. Some want them chart things, or they want them keeping track of fouls or whatever. Uh, if, if it's me, I want my coaches watching what's going on, on the floor. Because mm-hmm. I can go back, I can go ask the scores table how many fouls whoever, you know, such and such has. All right, or I'm going to go back, we're going to chart possessions, or we're going to chart, you know, whatever on the film. Because we're going to go back yep. and do that anyways. Yep. But I want those guys, they might see something that I don't see, or they might, you know, I think that's what's unique about your assistant coaches is you want, because if you bring a kid out of the game, you know, I'll tell, I had Marcus Gillespie, who's a JB coach, and I'll say, hey, just talk to him about what happened here. But then I think some kids take it the wrong way because they feel like they're being pulled out of the game. Oh, coach hates me. Or, you know, coach is mad at me. No, we're, we're trying to either get you maybe a breather in the last 30 seconds of a quarter, or we're just trying to help you out with, hey, I mean, they're doing this defensively, or you know, whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. you know. But make sure, you know, talking that kid or tell, hey, great job, I'm trying to get you, you know, a couple minutes here, we'll get you back in, kind of deal. Yeah. Um, but then also, to me, and you talk about the bench piece where you know they're they're high five each other bench. I, I think that's so critical now. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe things I didn't, you know, you didn't take into account. You know, I was even watching that 2009 state final game. Um, on DVD that I had because Zach Lumpkin sent me a text about it so I was like oh, I better watch it you know even, I was just like watching our kids on the bench even that game and, and they were all standing up and clapping of course there's a lot on the line that day too sure um, but you know that's where you, you build that cohesiveness and, I, and we're at a point in time right now um, in, in high school athletics where a lot of self-promotion is taking place uh, and, and social media has changed that. And I'm not anti-social media. I love social media because yeah. uh, Creighton was one of the first universities in the country back in 2004 to experiment with Facebook. Mm-hmm. All right, there's a little trivia for, the, for you there. All right. Um, so we were able to experiment, you know, because it was like within this. It was called the Facebook back then. Uh, oh but, yeah, that's from the movie. That's from the movie. Just from the movie. Yep. And it was 2004. Yep. And so, you know, but the social media piece now where. You know, the Twitter and those things where, you know, kids can go online, they can post highlights and they can do those things. Uh, but a little bit of recruiting advice here, just from experience, is everybody knows that kids can score at, a, at the at the D1 level, let's say. So, I mean, if you're a big-time D1 kid, yeah, you, you can score. You might go rebound, you might be able to dunk it, but what happens when you get knocked down the floor? How do you react? Yeah. What happens when a coach pulls you out of the game? How do you react? Yep. All right. Are you willing to step in and take a charge? Are you willing to dive on the floor for a loose ball? Are you willing to, to point to a teammate and say, good pass? I'm just going to tell you this. Coaches at that level are going to notice that more than how many points you score a game, how many rebounds you get in the game, because they're looking at the character piece. Does yeah. this guy fit our mold for us to win games here? I had that. And, and I think a lot of young players, high school players now, don't get that. So when there's I, like I'll see highlight packages of dunks and threes, it's like, well, that's great, mm-hmm. but can you guard somebody in the post? Can you guard somebody in a one-on-one situation? Yeah. Can you? Are you taking charges? Are you a good teammate? Yeah. You're not going to see those things. Those things. So the the social the the I think there's just a lot of self promotion today, uh, and, and that's making it's changed how we do things as coaches. Mm-hmm. Because that's obviously changed a lot of things in terms of society as well. Um, you know, and, and I'm not anti saying mean, it's great that kids are getting offers. I think Nebraska high school basketball right now is really good. Mm-hmm. I think we're doing a great job of player development. And the kids are playing more, we're getting more opportunities. 
I think the summer stuff in terms of it's became more competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think kids are more invested as well because it used to be you had the, the two summer programs, you had Godfathers, you had uh, the Bison team. That was it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you've got more opportunities to play. And, and it's a good thing. Yes, kids can play against better competition, those things. But on the other hand, too, I think some kids are maybe seeing this the wrong way where, you know, it's all about scoring points or this. That's how I'm going to get noticed. I'm just going to tell you this. That's not how it works. No. I mean, they're going to look at those things. But you're going to try to educate those kids, too. Okay, show show this guy a clip of you taking a charge here with the game on the line. Yeah. I mean, they want to see those things. Absolutely. So. Yeah, so the, a lot, I mean, just a lot of different variables that come into thing, and you know, I'm not. You know, I, I love the social media piece because you can promote your program. You can do, you can have some fun with it, and you know, do a lot of different things. But I think on the other hand too, I mean, it's also uh, you know, check out my my 80 yard run and against whoever in a football game. I get that, mm-hmm. but I mean, there's other things that factor in too. Did you, let's say, a football kid? Did you pick up a pass block on a blitz coverage or whatever? Yeah. I mean, those things are going to factor in. Like I said, it's those little things that add up at the end. Yeah. You know, you're talking about that recruiting aspect of it as well. Here's here's two other things that that you know kids and and parents need to think about that 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 your college coaches are are, are looking at. And, and you went through this. Um, as a player, you know, number one, what role are you willing to perform for the team that doesn't involve scoring? Um, you know, what are the, what are the things that you're going to do to help us win? Because now, you know, your role changes tremendously. Um, you know, you, you know, you were player of the year in Nebraska and you go to Creighton and, and you're, you're, you're a guy that came off the bench and gave the team a, a, a shot in the arm and, and that type of thing. And, and, and your playing time increased as your, as your career went forward. And, and that's what happens to most guys, you know? And, um, I think that's really important. And then another thing, and, and this jumped into my head when you were talking here, I had, I had coach Finley, the women's coach at Iowa state on a long time ago. And he said, you know, Another thing that I'm watching while I'm watching a kid play and all the other intangible things that the, that I'm looking for in a kid, yeah, I know you can score, I know you can rebound, I know you're really athletic, but you know, are you going to take a charge, yada, yada. He, he says, I'm also watching your parents. And, yeah. and, and, and if, your parents, if your parents are, uh, they look like they're going to be uh, difficult or whatever, you know, um, we check out. Cause we, you know, that's, that's another thing. And, and, you know, if you do this long enough, you've, you've been in those situations where you've had, uh, good players or whatever, but sometimes the, the parents can make, uh, they're, they're so invested in their kids' success that sometimes it, it hurts them in that regard. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. Uh-huh. You know, we're in such a different era, um, with, recruiting you know from the high school to the college level and even when I was being recruited 20 years ago it, it was completely different mm-hmm. uh, because now back then it's like okay here's kind of the, the plan even when I was recruited by DNE in Nebraska right the plan was in place I was gonna register year one which I was okay with mm-hmm. and then year two year three you start working your way in and maybe probably won't be like a, a, a program difference maker but you're gonna be a guy that contributes yep you know, and then I get to Creighton, you know, I was, didn't know what was going to happen. Well, then I ended up, I was in a red shirt my freshman year. You know, I, of course I was demoralized. Like, I, I got to sit this year. You know, I've, I've worked at this point, but once they explained to me and sat down with me, kind of, 
you know how that was going to work, it, it made sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, but I also wanted to play, and, yep. and, and I think that's the piece of it right now is kids want to play right away, yep. and and they're not willing. And I, the thing that bothers me, I don't think there's anything more as a commitment. Because I, when I think of commitment, I think of you're committed to that school and you're going to be invested for the long haul. Mm-hmm. Now we're in a day and age where guys are jumping ship, not only at the college level, high school but level. the high school level. Yep. And, and, and we've created that monster. Yep. You know, we have. Yep. And, and, and to me, that bothers me. Because I mean, you could potentially play at four different high schools in four years in Nebraska. Yep. If you do it right. Yep. And so what's the message you're sending to the kid, you know, as a parent? Mm-hmm. If, okay, I'm not playing the kind of events I think I should be playing here. I'm going to jump to a different school. What's going to happen when you put that kid out in the real world in five to ten years? Mm-hmm. What's the, what mentality are you putting in that kid's mind? Well, my boss doesn't like me. I'm going to quit. Okay, so now all of a sudden you've got someone that's going to be jumping from job to job to job. And to me, that's where the adversity piece comes in because you're going to have it. Mm-hmm. You know, and things aren't going to go your way all the time. And, and and we get to a point where kids, and it does bother me because this is the, the bar we're setting. And you look at college recruiting, I mean, there's kids from Nebraska, and you follow them, they'll be at three different schools in four years. Yep. You know, most like, well, I want to play. And I get guys want to play. I totally get it. Right? Because mm-hmm. it's no fun sitting. But going back, I mean, if I'm not playing as a freshman, man, I'm out of there. Okay. There's also you get the college level. You got to earn your stripes a little bit. You just don't walk in right away and say, "Okay, I'm going to play 29 minutes a night." I mean, you've got to earn the respect of your teammates. I mean, you've got to go through the the gauntlet to earn those guys' respect. And I think that for me, I I appreciated that because I just I walked in. I was the low man on the totem pole, mm-hmm. you know, and I wanted to earn those guys' respect right away. But I also had a guy that ahead of me that was a two time player of the year in the conference. And then being a second team All American that would end up being drafted by the Sixers. Yeah. Okay. So when your time comes, when your time comes, you're ready to go. And it took me three years to kind of work my way to that rotation. Because I played some spot. I got pulled out of a red shirt my freshman year, six games in, because uh Corv had a had his knee scoped. Mm-hmm. All right. But then he came back earlier than expected. Well, then he ends up being the conference player of the year. And by the end of the season, I wasn't really playing. Mm-hmm. And, and and quite honestly, I mean, early on, yeah, I got pulled out. I played, but I don't. I can look back and say I don't know if I was ready to play yeah. at that level then, because I just I was two hundred pounds soaking wet <laughs> at best. And yeah. in the third, I and I played my first game against Nebraska, and I was all excited. Then I got to play against Indiana State. And then all of a sudden, on the road, I'm starting against West Kentucky. I'm just going to tell you this. I don't think I was ready for that. Because yeah. I made my first college start as a freshman on the road at West Kentucky. It was really good. And we lost by 31. <laughs> all right? Because we came back home to Omaha, got off the plane, went, went up to the Bernardi Center and practiced for two hours. Okay? Yeah. And so we're playing Xavier two days later at home. Big game. And I'm looking across from me. I catch the ball on the wing. I got David West guarding me. Yeah. Who's 6'9", 240 in the, He's in the a man. preseason. Yeah. And he was the preseason player of the year in the country. Mm-hmm. I'm going, I, I've seen this guy in Sports Illustrated and whatnot. I said, I'm like two feet away from him. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I remember I stuck a three because he came out to close. I stuck a three. I'm like, okay, maybe I'll be okay. You know, it's like, <laughs> you can kind of play this level a bit. But was I ready for that at the time? Probably not. 
And, and looking back, I, I still don't get my redshirt year because I had an injury where I had surgery, and so I missed my second year. But my path was different, but I didn't quit on the process. And there were phone calls home to my mom, or and my, I should say to my dad, where I'm like, because I came back, I was so bad on the exhibition tour the first three games of Canada. So I just came back from injury the year before. I'm like, Dad, I don't know if I can do this. Mm-hmm. You know, he just said, just stick with the process. And I, and I still remember that phone call because they called from a payphone in Vancouver, Canada, back to Lincoln. And you just think, I don't know if I can do this. Because now we're in a day and age, like kids would say, well, screw it, I quit. I'm going to move on to something else or go play somewhere else. He said, stick with the process, keep working at it. And that was the best advice I got. Mm-hmm. You know, just, just to keep me level-headed. There were a lot of those conversations. And then that year at the Valley Tournament, 2005, it was kind of like the, the culmination of like, you know, it all came together. Mm-hmm. But it took two, three, four years for that to happen, where you're embracing with your mom, your dad, teammates on, on the floor amongst the great faithful, and you're going to the NCAA Tournament, and, and I had a heck of a tournament. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I mean, I, I shot the, the heck out of it, but Coach always teased me because says, yeah, your four misses were really ugly, though. <laughs> you know, that, that's just how he was. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think with with the parents today, I think it can be it, it becomes much more because we're now talking scholarship money, we're talking prestige, and maybe playing somewhere. And, I, and again, I mean, I'm I'm going to be raising my two kids here, but I think sometimes it gets a little bit overbearing where you know with some of the maybe the the, the club sports and the select sports where you, know, you can almost call it pay to play. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, it, yeah, it's, it's an, an it's an it's an investment by the parents into their yeah. kid. Yeah, and, and if you don't want, if you want to make that investment, man, more power to you. Yep. Uh, because I, I'm not anti playing against you know different levels of competition or playing against better competition. I think it makes it better. Yep. But if you're willing to put that money uh, towards that, then great. You know, because if you get the return on it, then it works out. You know, but I also think we get to a point too where kids are playing too many games. At the age of 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, but in all reality, they need to be in a gym working on their game on their own or with somebody to, to make them better. Because, and, then, and I think that's where the summer stuff sometimes where I get to showcase. And that's the one way college coaches can watch kids play. Mm-hmm. But I also think when kids are playing 80 games in the summer, that, that's a lot. Yeah. That's just a lot of basketball. And, you know, are you making yourself better in those 80 games? Honestly, I would say the answer is probably no because you're not. Unless you're doing the, the skill work on the side, mm-hmm. uh, you know you're going to reach a peak at some point of yeah. how good you're going to be. Yeah. So I, I think, and then, you know, with the parent piece of it too, and maybe parents don't understand that. I think college coaches are looking at more and more now than probably 10, 20, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, because now all of a sudden it's they're logging minutes because all of a sudden you might be hurting your kid's potential of being drafted in the NBA. I mean, then this is how crazy it's got. Yeah. Um, but I, I agree with, with, with the parent piece. And, and, and parents are always invested because they want what's best for their kid. I, I, I completely agree with that because we don't want to see our kids and, you know, going through you know, times of tribulation and so forth. But I also think, too, parents need to realize, too, that if you're overbearing and, and, and you're going to be like that, that coach can say, well, we're just going to move on to the next person. Yeah. So you can almost I, love your kid too much in those situations. Yeah, I, I think it's it's a double edged sword too with some of it. Uh, and but you know that's just that's just how things are today. It's mm-hmm. much different. You know, I think sometimes we you know, get people look at recruiting rankings and those things. I'm just going to tell you this: recruiting rankings don't mean anything. Nope. It's just a number. 
Yep. Uh, and, and I'll use Doug McDermott. That's the best example I can give you uh, because he was he had no stars in his name and ended up being the national player of the year. Yeah. So there you go. So I don't care. You know, nobody cares. Oh, I'm the number two player in the country or I'm the number two player in the state. Honestly, I don't think anybody cares because if you don't, once you get to the next level, if you don't put that time in, then it ain't going to work out anyways. So, yeah. again, it's a, it's a different world we live in. I mean, but obviously kids want to play. But when I, when I read about guys jump from school to school to school, that bothers me. Because mm. what's the message we're sending yeah. you know, as as parents and as coaches? And you know, what are we setting this kid up for? And I think we, we if anything, we got to educate those kids on, okay, you're going to have some things where you go through some of the situations. But you got to learn from those things and get better from it. Don't run away from it. Try to make the most of your opportunity. Yeah. And, and, and the biggest metaphor, the biggest reason why we emphasize sport in our society is it's a life lesson. It is a way to, oh. to, to take basketball, softball, anything. And okay. Yeah. Here's what happened in this, this, this all, you know, non-necessary activity, but it helped shape me to be a better person, to oh, be a better right. father, to be a, and, and, and when totally. we're, when we're, when we're not teaching that, and and this well, is this is important for us as coaches to hold our kids accountable because that is yeah like you said the, the the championships are great the cutting down the nets are great but it's it's more about teaching that kid to touch that line in the line drill so that when they get into a job situation and they've got to put present the big project on Friday they've taken care of all the details so that the project is successful yep. you know and I, and I think that's the message that that's the hidden message and all this thing that maybe kids don't understand at the time. And again, as a player, I didn't necessarily realize it in college until probably my, my fourth or fifth year, just kind of what's the method of the madness here. Then you kind of realize, okay, then, then you start thinking more and more about it. It makes total sense. And I think that's just the maturity piece, this whole thing. And, you know, the challenges that, that I face, and I'm going to tell you this, I think I learned, I learned way more from, the adversity piece of things that I went through as a player, because I went through probably more downs and ups than anybody at Creighton in 20 some years. Yeah. Because I mean, because my, I would I agree with roller, that. I had a roller coaster start to my career, like we talked about. And, you know, then you go through the injury piece, all of a sudden you're trying to work your way back in. Man, there's so many ups and downs and ups and downs. And again, I, I would change that for anything necessarily because I learned so much about myself moving forward in terms of how to handle those things and how to handle failure and to learn from it. Cause when it's going well, it's easy to do. Yep. And if it was easy, all of us could do it. Yep. And I'm just going to tell you this. It's not. Nope. And you know, I hear kids, well, I'll play division one. Well, I lived for five years. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I lived the life and it's, it's not just playing on ESPN. It's not just playing on CBS. It's not flying and playing wherever. I mean, there are so many things that people don't see behind closed doors and the amount of time that's put in that, that goes into it. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be that type of athlete and it's probably more demanding now than it was when I played. Sure. Oh, I, I, I know it is. Yeah. It, it's totally changed. Mm-hmm. And that was, God, it's 15 years ago almost. Gosh, now you know, I feel old. I'm going to be 38 here, by the way, in two weeks. So <laughs> I'm not quite 40, but I'm getting there. Get out your, get out your walker for your first <laughs> practice there at Norris. Well, I can tell you this, maybe. When I had my surgery, they said, yeah, you'll probably have a little bit of arthritis in your ankle by the time you're in your 40s. Like, well, I still got some time here to do some stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, 
but I mean, even going through that stuff, you know, I, I faced challenges where uh, guys, they I mean, these guys were going on playing at, you know, on TV and whatnot. I was at home in Omaha trying to rehab and, and working out and doing stuff on my own because I had to get ready for the next year. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that red shirt year where I had my medical was a hard year for me because mm-hmm. it was the first set major setback I had where I could play because I was so used to playing. Mm-hmm. Even like, you know, practice whatnot. And I was able to finally kind of work my way back in toward the end, you know, the toward the end of the year where I could do some scout team stuff and practice, you know, at least be involved. But I wasn't at the level I was at. So, in, and honestly, between my sophomore and junior season that summer, and I can remember Coach Alt, because I was in Lincoln, I went home for about a month before I came back in the summer. And I think Coach Altman called my dad every day to make sure that I was doing something. Like mm-hmm. he would check in. Yeah. And he'd say, Jerry, be honest with me. What is he doing today? Well, he, he did this and this. And so I just it was like, hell, I'm just going to go for a run. So I ran every single day in Northeast Lake. Just ran. And people were going, why is he running? He's not on a track team. You know? Yeah. I, felt like was on a, I felt like I was on a track team in September, October. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Getting ready for the season. But I was going to make sure that I was going to be in the best shape I could be. And that was probably at that point uh, the best I felt as a player, you know, mm-hmm. the most prepared I was. But I also knew that they were bringing in, uh, you know, Dane Walsh was coming as a freshman who ended up being really good. Yep. And they were bringing in a junior college kid from Colorado uh, that was a four man. So I, I just told myself, I'm not going to let them outwork me. Yep. You know, I'm going to earn my minutes. And that's and, what you could control. And that's what you control. And I ended up, and honestly, I felt like I was better. You know, I started a handful of games a year, but I felt like I was better come off the bench mm-hmm. and, and provide a little bit of energy, hit a couple shots here and there, compared to maybe start. I just felt, in fact, I think I played more come off the bench yeah. uh, toward the end of the year. So it, it's all about accepting the role. And, and honestly, I mean, we got a lot of kids today with egos that um, maybe they can't handle some of those things. And, you know, and some of those pieces where if the coach says, we want you to accept this role, because uh, we feel like this gives you the best, or it provides us the best chance to win. You, you hope those kids can accept those things. But I also think there's also, we got some kids today that are more concerned about themselves and how they look than winning games. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I'm, I'm not going mean, to, that's just, that's, that's across the country. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's, it's more about how I look and instead of me. And I've always said this, I mean, I think, I mean, they'll they'll talk about great players, but you go to different places. I'll tell you this. They talk about great teams more than they talk about great players, yeah. you know, how good teams were. So, like I said, we're, we're tackling a different animal today. You know, obviously, it's much different than when I first started, and it's probably going to be different 10 years from now if I'm still doing this. Uh, and a lot of this is you know, that we've talked about today is not even X's and O's. It's just it's managing probably, people. It's, it's managing people, and it's probably more important then drawn up a set of a timeout because yep. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast today. Yep. Yep. Jimmy, this has been a pleasure. Um, uh, this is, this has been a terrific conversation. We've covered a lot of things that we've never covered on these podcasts. So, uh, I, I want to thank you for your time. I've had a terrific time talking with you here and I, yeah, hope, you've, I, just, I've, I hope you've had a good time. So Marty, it's a, I just looked at the clock. It's a quarter to 11. I know it's, <laughs> <laughs> we've been on for an hour and 34 minutes officially here. So, but it's uh, been, but it's been a great conversation. So, yeah. You know, and the thing is, I think, you know, before we part, just, I, my message to young coaches out there is, you know, be yourself and do what's best for your program. If you get an opportunity to go be a head coach, 
uh, jump at it, you know, because I think you learn more from, from doing it your way than just kind of sit back and ride the coattails. Uh, and, I, and I'm a firm believer in that. I think, you know, when, when people look at resumes, and those things, I think when it says head coach, it, it, it speaks a little bit more to your clout. Um, but again, be yourself and just do what you think's best. Again, I'm, I'm walking into a situation where uh, I feel good about it where it's at, and uh, I'm not going to try to reinvent the wheel. And I'm pretty fortunate that uh, you know Mr. Sign is going to take a chance on me and and lead that program. And we've got some really good kids coming up, and and I'm excited about what Titan basketball is going to have to offer here in the next few years because uh, hopefully those kids can take me on a ride. And, Maybe I can get that Jimmy V moment again. Honestly, I'd rather win by 20 because that would make it a lot easier. But if it comes down to you know something like that happening again, maybe I'll just have to be a little more mindful because I'm not 25 and be 38 here this year. There you go. Uh, there you go. <laughs> and I'm a little bit heavier than I was back then, too. <laughs> uh, that's, that, that's okay. You can just lose a little bit of that weight mowing lawns with Lakari. So. Well, no kidding. Yep. I'm sure he's out today mowing. So, yep. hey, I appreciate it. Um, uh, it's always fun to talk hoops, just talk different things, and you know, just reflect on things as well. Because uh, you know, there's been a lot of ups and downs, and you know, it's just it's nice to reflect and just look back and even talk about things. Yep. Well, thanks a lot, Coach. I really appreciate it. You know, um, coaches, as always, be sure to hone your craft one day at a time. 